the Oscar goes and to... And the Oscar goes and the Oscar to... Goes to. My only object in being here is to try and get at the truth. What shall I go? What shall I do? He's looking at you, kid. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. I could have been a contender. Fasten your seat. I could have been somebody. They can only kill me with a golden bullet. What have I done? Call me Mr. Tibbs. I'm gonna make him an offer. Oh, really? Love is, is Love. too weak a word. Stay Welcome to the next Best Picture podcast. And the Oscar goes to The Shape of Water. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 85 of the next Best Picture podcast. I am your host, Matt Neglia, and joining me today, I have my co host, Will Mavity. Hi, guys people uh will thank you so much for not oversleeping this week i appreciate it (laughs) it's very hard doing that here on the west coast this morning i feel like a truck hit me so to all our listeners it is a true labor of love that i pulled myself out of bed for you and that is me this week i think that there's a little bit of karma going around there because i don't know if people can hear it in my voice but i am not feeling the best for this episode so i told him to go to the doctor yeah, meningitis. I think was the phrase that was used. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Meningitis. Meningitis. Right. What? Yeah, I can't even enunciate. That might be a symptom. Slur of speech. <laughs> and in any event, though, we're not alone. Will and I. We are being joined by a new member, a new addition to the next best picture family. You have seen some of his work on the website, and now we are officially making it official. Please give a warm welcome, everyone, to Liam Heffernan. Hello. It's a great Yay. So, Liam, as we always do here, and forgive me if we have done this with you before, because quite honestly, I can't remember right now. We like to ask some questions of new people that come onto the show to give our listeners an idea of what kind of a person you are, what your taste in movies is like. Sure. So... I'll start it off first by asking the dreaded question. What do you think is the best movie of all time? And what is your favorite movie of all time? Oh, okay. So favorite movie of all time, American Beauty, without doubt. Oh, wow. Nice. Big fan of of anything Mendes anyway. Um, But American Beauty is just, I, I can't find any flaws in it. And I've watched it probably hundreds of times now um so, so wait it, are you a specter defender um i'm gonna be honest i've not seen specter ah, yet all right so you're not a sam mendes completionist yet i i'm not a completionist no okay. um i mean you know i don't know specter was one of those i loved uh skyfall it just specter didn't really draw me in i'm not i guess i'm not a huge bond guy anyway so you're yeah. british what I is know. this I know. He's like a national hero to you guys over there. (laughs) You prefer Jason Bourne? Because that's like downright (laughs) un-American. All right. And then objectively, best movie of all time. Hmm. Um, That's a tough one. Uh, And you're putting me on the spot right now. This is. This is difficult. This is why we do this. We love torturing yeah. our, our our guests here. I mean, as evidenced by Will having to wake up before the crack of dawn for these episodes every week. Mm. I love torturing people. It's what I do. I'm Jack Bauer. Okay, so <laughs> I'm going to throw a crazy one out there. Okay. Based on the fact that I think it's brilliant and it is a great film, but I don't think anyone's going to agree with me. Grease. You know what? That is so left field that I am actually forced to agree with you because I just (laughs) that just came out of nowhere. (laughs) Yep. Oh man, Will Grease. What? But what? Like a horrible moral at the end of the story. It's like you know she gives up her identity and develops a life threatening habit, and John Travolta learns to put on a sweater. Yeah, you know. Don't get me wrong. It's it's of its time, um, but it's a great film. I mean, there's no disputing that. I mean, all these years later and everybody still loves it. Have you ever gone to one of the sing-alongs? Do you ever oh, go to no, th- love to go to a sing-along? They have one here in LA like next week where like everybody goes and sings along to the Grease. 
That's incredible. Look at me, I'm Sandra D. Liam, can you sing for us? Um, No. No, (laughs) I'm thinking that's a second or third appearance at least. (laughs) Um, Okay. Matt, do you have any other questions for him? Uh, It's your turn. Okay. Um, Favorite food? Oh, pizza. Do I, do I have to specify the pizza or can I just yeah, say you pizza? do pizza? No, pizza's too generic. I want some toppings. Okay. Pepperoni, mushroom, sweet corn. Ooh, what? Chicken on there. That became a really exciting pizza. I'm shocked. This is, yeah. I mean, I, I'm so intrigued now. And to top it off, a few bits of uh, cheesy garlic bread on the side. Ooh, I love cheesy garlic bread, my lord. Mm. Although right now I'm trying to take bread out of my diet right now and it's really oh, difficult oh. uh worst oscar win of all time the one that pisses you off the most um hmm hmm it's it crash i know that's an obvious choice but crash i i can't argue against that 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 is infuriating to this day mm. <laughs> yeah the fact that it was nominated it's, it, it baffles me but to yeah. win, it's shocking. Yeah, I, I, I have to say that. I mean, and that's not necessarily even a weak year, actually. You know, I mean, like, I, I think a history of violence should have been nominated. Yes, thank you. Mm-hmm. That's that's my number one favorite film for that year. So I, I, I fully endorse that. But yeah, Crash winning, and then not only did it win Best Picture, you also got to remember it also won editing and screenplay. Well, editing is understandable. I mean, like it's it wasn't my favorite editing that year, but um, I mean they did juggle like fourteen storylines. Like that's you know the screenplay is shitty in that movie, but it, at least the editor you know did a good job attending to all those stories and tying them together. I I'm okay with that win. Do you feel lately? And this is a question for Liam. Do you feel uh, the last couple of years? Let's say since let's say since the expansion of the Best Picture nominees. Do you feel that the Academy's choices for the major awards, you know, acting, director, picture, etc., do you feel that they are making better decisions than what they used to make um, in a year of five? Um, like, you know, the deserving winner, or at least the winner that most people can agree upon is the most deserving is the one actually getting the award. I mean, I, I think... The very fact that they expanded Best Picture to include up to 10 nominees has, by that nature of, of having more slots to fill, um, can acknowledge more of the great films that year. So, And I think it's a good move that they don't um, specifically nominate 10 films a year as well, because then you could start arguing that films that maybe don't deserve it are getting nominated, but that's not the case. Um, so I think it's a good thing, and I think since that happened, um, there's more scope for animated films to be recognized as well, like Toy Story 3, Up, you know, um, they probably wouldn't have made the cut otherwise, but they deserve to be nominated. Do you think that since um, they have revised and no, it's no longer a straight 10, which in those two years, Toy Story 3 and Up, both were included, um, since they've revised it to now be anywhere between 5 and 10, no animated film has been nominated for Best Picture. Is Is there one that you would argue should have been in the conversation? I thought Kubo and the Two Strings was a fantastic film. I I think that deserved more credit than it got. Um, And I'd put it in a Best Picture category without doubt. Interesting. I mean, it did get that supporting visual effects nomination. So yeah, that goes to show you that there was some serious love for that movie that year. What do you you think about that, Will? You think that uh, in a year of straight 10, Kubo... Could have gotten anywhere near near that, or no? I don't think Kubo would have done. I think if honestly Zootopia of the two would have been more likely to get it. But like, no, I mean, like, I really enjoyed both of those films. I don't honestly think there is an animated film since Toy Story three that deserved to be nominated for Best Picture. Personally, I would have. I would have said Zootopia. I was really high on Zootopia that year. I love Zootopia, but it did. I don't think it should have been a Best Picture nominee. Uh, Liam, what about the preferential ballot? How do you feel about that? It sucks. Say it sucks. <laughs> I'm, 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 yeah, I'm, I'm probably on the unpopular side of the fence here. I, I agree with it. I, I think it's good. Um, I, I, I mean, obviously, the, the criticism is that um, because of how the voting is, is tabulated, you're going to get films that aren't 
the most popular with as many people that get nominated because they're um, they're broadly liked. Um, and that, I think that's a risky take with that kind of voting system. But I think the huge upside offsets that in that the films that are generally the 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 most um, praised and the most lauded do get to come through the ranks and, and get nominations that they may not have got otherwise. Yeah, I, I could see that. Um, extremely loud, incredibly close. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm sick, like I was saying before. Um, well, Liam, thank you so much for the uh, answers to the questions here. I'm sure our listeners will get a chance to get to know you better as the weeks and hopefully longer than that uh, roll on. I want to move over to a couple of different things right now. First things first, we got a review on iTunes that I want to share with everybody. And the review here uh, was five stars, which we are big fans of. <laughs> and it's from Maggie KMO. Five stars, perfect for movie lovers. It reads, this podcast is perfect for movie lovers looking to join the conversation. Matt does a great job of discussing themes, bringing in different perspectives, and touching on a wide range of films. I especially love when they do interviews and give us a taste of sound mixing, score, composing, etc. I would recommend. Nice. Nice. Yeah, thank you Thank you, you so Maggie. Much. Absolutely. And with that said, I want to then tie that into some of the polls that are directly related to um, everyone's contributions towards Next Best Picture. Those are fan-voted. Some of them are for our Patreon members. Some of them are for, um, you know, the general listenership. So we have a couple of different ones going right now. It's almost becoming, like, a little hard to actually keep track of. We have so many going on. But last week's poll for A Quiet Place... The question that we asked was, which horror film do you think you sound most effectively? A lot of choices. Alien, The Babadook, Black Swan, Cabin in the Woods, The Descent, Don't Breathe, Drag Me to Hell, The Evil Dead, The Exorcist, The Conjuring, The Fly, Get Out, The Grudge, It, It Follows, Jaws, Mother, Poltergeist, Rosemary's Baby, The Shining, Sign, Suspiria. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Thing, The Witch, and if all of those weren't enough, we still had an other option. Yeah, because Matt ignored my advice to include Barbarian Sound Studio, which our own Josh Williams said is the best horror movie sound of all time, and he chose to leave it off the poll. Let's let's be real. The only reason why Josh included it was because you brought it up. <laughs> yeah, but I told you to put it on the list, man. I was like, come on. You know, moving on. Okay. All right, so. I will say this. The poll was very, very close. There were two films that got the most votes. I will say which what the two films are. And then you guys have to tell me which one you think won. 18.37% and 16.33%. Just barely missing each other. The two top vote getters are The Shining... And mother. Ooh. Mm, that's a uh, surprising top two. I'm surprised about mother because that was a very divisive film. Yeah, but film Twitter loves mother. So, yeah. so general audiences hate mother, but like most people I know on Twitter love it. Uh, I, I assume The Shining one just because that's, you know, a more widely seen film. And just which of those two would you vote for if it was between those two? Mother of those two. Yeah, yeah. I, I, th I think mothers. I, I think most Aronofsky films are really sound showcases. Liam, yeah, I agree with Will. I, I think my vote would go to Mother, but I, I think The Shining will probably win. With eighteen point thirty seven percent versus sixteen point thirty three percent of the total votes, the winner is Mother. That's cool. Some write-in options that we had included Psycho, Barbarian Sound Studio. How many write-ins? Just one. Oh. Lights Out, Hellraiser, and Eraserhead. Somebody said the Care Bears movie. I suppose that could be a horror film for some folks. <laughs> um, 
and then some other top vote getters that did not quite uh, make it all the way, but were you know definitely very strong. Get out nine percent of the poll. Jaws with eight percent of the poll, and Alien with six percent of the poll. So, not bad. I I mean I have to say of the choices that were listed, my vote went towards The Exorcist personally, but I can't I can't disagree with Mother. I mean. That film had some of the best sound work last year and deserved an Oscar nomination for um, that work. But like you were saying uh, before, it was just a very divisive you know, film. You know what's sad? Would Johan Johansson have gotten nominated for its sound? Because he ended up not getting credited for the score, right? He got credited as a sound designer? Yeah. That, oh, wow. That would have really? been – that's so sad. He would have gotten a sound nomination you know, if that film hadn't – if that if people had supported that film. Mm. Now, before I get to our next weekly poll, for our Patreon subscribers, we announced that we were starting something new called Next Best Adaptation. Uh, this was meant to be sort of like a book club of sorts where we asked everyone, based upon the upcoming Oscar contenders for this year, uh, we listed their source materials. Some of them are books, some of them are shorts, some of them are previous feature-length films, like in the uh, instance of The Incredibles, highlighting that The Incredibles 2 is coming out this year. Some of them are TV uh, miniseries, like in the case of Widows. So the choices that we put forth for everyone uh, included The Aftermath, Beautiful Boy, Bel Canto, Black Klansman, Boy Erased, Can't You Ever Forgive Me, Crazy Rich Asians, First Man, The Front Runner, Gloria, If Beale Street Could Talk, The Incredibles 2, Kursk, The Little Stranger, Mary Queen of Scots, My Life on the Road, The Old Man and the Gun, The Seagull, Cher, Thunder Road, Weavy Animals, Widows, Where'd You Go Bernadette, and finally, The Women of Marwin. Now, we went by a top three system for this. There isn't just one winner. The top three winners, what what Will and some of the members of Next Best Picture are going to do is they're going to read the source material, and then we're going to have a podcast discussing that source material, how we think it will translate to the screen, and hopefully some of you guys will also read along with us and join us on this journey. It's something new that we're experimenting with, and we're really, really excited so, Will, are you ready to find out what the top three vote-getters were for this poll? Understand to my audiences, if you chose The Incredibles, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> okay, here we go. Number one. First Man. Mm, okay. Number two. Beautiful Boy. All right, I can get on board with that. I've heard it's a good book. And number three, The Incredibles 2. You're kidding me. Nope. Oh, my God. People, un- understand, we, we we watch or read the source material and then analyze how it'll be as a contender. Why would – you've all seen The Incredibles. I guess they Why want a you- podcast review of The Incredibles. I, I think that's exactly what it is. They want us just to review The Incredibles. Oh, my God. Okay, what's fourth, Matt? So Will and I did agree that – we wanted to do three books. So we have two books, one movie. So in this instance now, whatever came in fourth place, we agreed that we would review um, that book. Because, you know, it's like I said, we wanted to do three books in total. So I guess we're going to do three books in a movie, Will. Okay, okay. So what's the fourth? Boy Erased. Oh, Okay. I'm surprised that uh, after that great trailer for Can You Ever Forgive Me, people weren't interested in that. And Black Klansman's it's going to can. All right, that's uh, – I guess there was steep – and no one picked Widows? Are you a little surprised? Widows came in fifth. Oh, okay. I can't believe people put The Incredibles in third. I guess we're reviewing The Incredibles. All I'm, right. I'm a little disappointed that if Beale Street could talk, did not. Yeah, that's yeah. another one. Like where did it – perform six hmm. so right right behind widows i i am i am floored people chose the incredibles <laughs> so first man beautiful boy the incredibles 2 and boy erased 
Those will be the adaptations which will be reviewed for next best adaptation leading up into the 2018 Oscar season. You have your work cut out for you, Will. I hope that you guys can stay on top of it. I hope so, too. Listeners, please, please pursue this. You know, we're excited. Also, um, that first man book, you know, is like that's a big one. Uh, it's very thick. It's like 600 pages, 700 pages. Uh, you could clear that in an afternoon. Yay! All right, so now another uh, new poll that we introduced this week for our Patreon listeners, um, which I didn't get a chance to express on the show as much. Uh, I talked about it a little bit last week, but now we actually have some nominees, and voting is still open on this poll. So you can head over and you can vote for this. Um, this is for the last Best Picture, which is where... You know, kind of when it comes to the throwback reviews, we are going to definitely try to make a concentrated effort to not include films that were nominated for Best Picture. Um, I know that we've done that a little bit before in the past, but I think we're going to save throwback reviews that are tied to new theatrical releases as its own thing. And we're going to have less Best Picture be specifically for films that were either won or were nominated for, uh, for Best Picture. There's like over 500 choices, and what I do is every time we have a new poll, I throw a, them into a randomizer, and whatever the top 10 are, those are the ones that we are going to you know vote on. So the top 10 for uh, the first poll ever ended up being Alexander's Ragtime Band, Coming Home, The Killing Fields, A Letter to Three Wives, Mr. Roberts, One Flew Over to Cuckoo's Nest, The Piano, Platoon, the talk of the town and Viva Villa. So I just had a curiosity there. Uh, Will, do you have anything like in particular with that poll that you have your heart set on? Well, see, I always like reviewing ones that are bad because it's fun to have a review where we make fun of a film. But among those, I love Platoon. So that was uh, one of my early favorite Best Picture winners. Nice. So – yeah, if we're, if we're just looking at one to analyze and, you know, wax on and on about how much we love, that's one I would definitely go with. I mean, there might be some things that, you know, upon revisiting, though, you know, some flaws we might be able to point out. Yeah, I still want to do like Gentleman's Agreement or Ivanhoe or something that's just really bad down the line. Do, do you do you say you like Gentleman's? Oh, no, is uh, you like The Lost Weekend. I do. I love The Lost Weekend. It, but it's like a movie of the week, essentially. You know, it's like uh, after school special. Don't drink. Well, this is something that we could talk about should it ever win the poll. Okay. So there you go. All right. Liam, I want you to know as well that you, you too have the ability to participate in any of these as well. Awesome. Uh, now that you're an official member, if you want to get in on the uh, next best adaptation or if you want to be a part of our podcast reviews for these movies, uh, you know, you're more than welcome to do so, sir. Well, if uh, one flew over the cuckoo's nest wins his fall, then I'm, I'm there. I love that film. All right. Now for this week's poll, uh, which is closely related to the new Dwayne, the rock Johnson film rampage. You know, it is what it is. Giant giant animals fighting, and then there's The Rock. Uh, we are asking everyone which Dwayne The Rock Johnson starring film is your favorite. Now, I specifically did not include films where The Rock either was a co-lead or a supporting player. Okay? So things like Moana, the Fast and the Furious movies, they're not listed. This is These are movies where The Rock was front and center, top billing. He's the man. Matt, really quick, can you smell what The Rock is cooking? It doesn't matter what your name is. <laughs> All right, the, cho- the choices are Faster, The Game Plan, Gridiron Gang, Hercules, Race to Witch Mountain, The Rundown, San Andreas, The Scorpion King, Snitch, <clears throat> Two Fairy, <laughs> oh my god, Walking Tall, and then there is an other option as well, um, although... I don't believe the other option is going to win. But, you know, for those that get mad that certain films are not listed, even though the rules that I have stated are in effect, if you want to put down Moana or something like that, I'm not going to stop you. So I want to talk about Dwayne The Rock Johnson for a little bit here because, like I said, his film Rampage is coming out this weekend. And The Rock is probably, I would say right now, 
Hollywood's biggest star. Would you guys disagree with that statement at all? No, he anything he touches will make money. They're seldom good, but they will always make money. I do not know every every film with The Rock though has probably been conceived from an executive saying, oh, "We love this film. How about this film with The Rock?" Like, how about yeah. Earthquake with The Rock? You've got San Andreas. Yeah, that, that's true because I feel like what's happening right now is The Rock to me is this generation's Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, yeah. Although I think Arnold is better personally. I know The Rock is more charismatic, but I I don't know. I got this feeling in the sense that The Rock does not try to actually give performances. Like if you sign on The Rock to your movie, The Rock is playing The Rock. And that's what you go in expecting and that is what you get and you pay to see him be him. But I wouldn't consider him to be an actor's actor. I don't ever really see him giving a performance and actually conveying a character to us. Am I am I right or am I wrong? Yeah, I'd agree with that. No, because uh, if you watch Painting Game, that's actually a good performance. Right. Like that is a character. I think he has the capability. I think most of his movies, yeah, you know, he's being what movie stars in the 50s did. John Wayne seldom played characters. John Wayne just played John Wayne. That's what movie stars do in the classic sense. But I do think if The Rock gets the right role, you know, I think just like Schwarzenegger, he is capable of giving an actual performance. Yeah, I, I just think that like I'm getting bored of the shtick is what it's really just coming down to at this point. Because he also has that other one coming out this year where he has the one leg. What's what's that one called? Oh, skyscraper. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and to me, oh man, like, the posters uh, for that are so stupid. The combination of that and Rampage, it's just who who just said it a second ago. Uh, we like this script. Let's cast the Rock in it, and it, it's gonna make a you know a, a bunch of money. I mean that just. That, that to me is exactly what I feel like these are. It's like, oh, we have this, you know, silly basic concept for a movie, but as soon as we cast The Rock, it's like, that's all we need. You know what I mean? It's very samey, yeah, but it's actually, it's not boring. Like, I could watch almost any movie with The Rock in it. No, he's, he's, he's why, very entertaining. Uh, electrifying is the, is the term that, you know, he, he would use. He's so hardworking. He has like seven films coming out in the next two years. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, he's, you know, I don't know. He's doing the Samuel L. Jackson challenge. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I just I just want I just want to see him push himself more. That's all, you know. If he can continue to push himself physically with the stunts and all of that, I think there is room for him to push himself dramatically as well. It only really takes another film like Creed, like something where where The Rock can can play The Rock um, with enough depth to the character to kind of take his characterization a little deeper. Um, and it, you know, he could do wonders, really. I'm calling it now. At some point, The Rock is going to take on a random dramatic role. And it's going to be so out of character that he's going to get an easy Oscar nomination. Like Jonah Hill Moneyball style, whether or not he even truly deserves it, it's going to happen because he's such a movie star. I disagree. I think that – You don't think so? Yeah, I, I think that it's going to get released and I have a feeling it will be one of those things where it won't be a prestige picture. Like, like critics will notice The Rock is trying – but the movie itself won't be maybe well-directed or the script won't be all there. You know what I mean? Like, it'll be that thing where he gives a good performance in a bad movie. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that could happen. Because right now, I mean, what serious artist in Hollywood is writing their script with the idea of giving it to The Rock? Because, they, they, you know, they just don't see him in those kinds of roles. Why would you even think of casting him, you know? I would assume Steve Zalen and Aaron Sorkin weren't necessarily imagining Jonah Hill when they did Moneyball. Yes and no, though. I, Jonah Hill... Because... <clears throat> okay, well, you know what? Maybe I'm the wrong person to ask about this because I don't think the Moneyball performance is great to begin with. Um, and I think he's the weakest part of that movie, personally. So I'm probably the wrong person to ask on that. All right. Any other thoughts on uh, The Rock? What, what do you guys think about Rampage? Do you think it's going to be silly fun or do you think it's going to just be plain dumb? I, I think it's going to be awful. <laughs> what about you, Will? I think it's going to make a lot of money like most of his films do that weren't Baywatch. Um, and I have no interest in seeing it. So. Um, Will, I, I'm very curious. Have you seen Beirut yet? 
No, I'm dying to. Okay. So I saw Beirut over at Sundance, and that does get released a few days before Rampage this week. And if, you know, judging by everyone's reactions here, um, I really recommend you check out Beirut. I really do. I think that it is a more serious, hardcore version of Argo to a certain degree. Um, so basically, if you take away like the comedic aspects of Argo, you get Beirut. It's not as good as Argo, though, still, even even though I just made that comparison, um, in my opinion. But as far as like an adult thriller goes, you know, something that we don't get much of often nowadays, you know, you think of something like Prisoners, you know, um, that hard R adult drama you know that's also acts as a as like a thriller i i think it i think it works really well and i think john ham is a great leading man to help sell you through it um i really really would like to be able to discuss that uh next week um hopefully i don't know what its releases though if it's going limited or if it's going uh i think it goes wide doesn't it if it if it's going wide i'd rather review that on the podcast this weekend personally so as opposed to rampage yeah yeah i mean ideally <laughs> Oh, no, no. Beirut's going limited. All right. So, Will, you and I will have a chance to see it opening weekend, but nobody else. You know, you could do uh, Sergeant Stubby, of course. That's a joke. Don't do that. Yeah, get out. Seriously. Truth or Dare. Truth or Dare is coming out, too. No. (laughs) No. Absolutely not. Hello, everyone. This is JD from the In Session Film Podcast. Each week, we review the latest from Hollywood, California. Well, yes, Brendan. We also give top three lists. Okay. Yeah. Thanks again, Brendan. Additionally, you can hear us talk other movie news, trailers, varying movie series, or other interesting film-related topics, and even rants and raves of the week. That's correct, Brendan. On top of our main show, every Friday, you can also hear our extra film podcasts. Good job, Brendan. Thank you, JD. It's my goal to make you proud. You're the father after all. <laughs> yes, and I'm very proud. Uh, you can listen to the In Session Film podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or at InSessionFilm.com. Brendan, will you please let me complete just one? Nope. Oh, for heaven's sake. Listen to the In Session Film podcast every Monday and Friday. Subscribe today and hear me verbally beat JD like a Cherokee drum. No, 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 no. That's not kidding? how this works, sir. Hey, no, you, you, no, no, you no. go cry at Midnight Special again, oh, okay? okay? That's what you're I, I good will. for. I will. You know what? And I'll do it while pummeling you. I'll do both at the same time. How are you going to pummel me? Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't buy it. That's just how <laughs> it works. All right, let's uh, move on to some trailers at this point. Let's talk about some of the films that are coming out soon. We have, first up on the list here, we have Cargo, uh, based upon a short film also called, called Cargo. It is starring Martin Freeman, and it's going to be a Netflix film. Let's take a look at this one. You're the first people I've seen. The first people who are still people. What's the count left on them? 46 hours, give or take. They're setting out hunting parties. If you want to give this baby a second chance, you just stay away. What's this? Just making hay while the sun shines. The sun's not shining, Beck. I'm not gonna hurt you. Promise you. Let's help each other. Rosie. This way. We gotta find the clever man. If you're sick, he can give you good medicine. If I don't make it to the hills, you're all I've got. You can't lose hope. Any girl you need to be worried about is your own. Here. So when things get back to normal, that's not gonna happen, is it? I don't think normal's on the horizon. Okay, so Martin Freeman stretching his dramatic muscles for Netflix. What do we think of this one? I'm still a little confused as to what the plot is. He has a disease, I guess. He's looking for a cure, and it's a the Rover style Australian dystopian wasteland. Yeah, and I guess 
you know, the film is called Cargo because it's in reference to the fact that he's carrying this baby around with him. It looks fine. Yeah, I just really hope that the movie is not like one of those. The baby is like the key to, to humanity's survival sort of thing, you know? You, you know it's going to be. Like, you know it's going to be. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, could you imagine? Like, it's one of those things where it's like you, you, you have to kill the baby in order to save your life. Uh, I'd be like, nope. <laughs> I think you could watch Martin Freeman killing a baby. I can't think of anything sadder on yeah. the screen. Um, I will say, though, uh, you know, I just rewatched all the Hobbit films recently, and Martin Freeman is such a expressive actor that anytime he's on screen, even if I don't necessarily like the movie, like Whiskey Tango Foxtrot, I still always find anything that he's doing on screen to be absolutely captivating. Yeah, I, I love Martin Freeman. I, since seeing him in The Office, that was back in what, 2001. Like, I've, I've been a massive fan since. So I'll go and watch anything that he's in just because he's in it. But um, I, I haven't got massive expectations for Cargo, I'll be honest. Yeah, I mean, at this point, most Netflix original movies, I'm kind of expecting to be underwhelmed by. And this is no different, to be honest. It looks competently made. But just I think it's going to appear and disappear. There's nothing about it that really excites me. Well, speaking of films that just don't excite you, um, I want to move over to a film that its trailer didn't actually excite me. Maybe it did for you guys. I don't know. Uh, This is an Australian science fiction action horror film. I'm not even sure. But it's directed by Lee Wannell. Um, He is the writer, star of uh, the first Saw film. He also directed Insidious, I think. Or was that James Wan? I don't know. No, no, he wrote those. He wrote those. Um, And he's directing this film called Upgrade, which is starring Logan Marshall Green, which uh, some people might remember from Prometheus. He's like a diet sprite Tom Hardy. Yes. Oh, my God. Perfect. Perfect. Yes, that is that is spot on, sir. Um, he's in a really, really good film called The Invitation, which I'm a very big fan of. Um, did Will? I I remember you saw that. You you were okay on it, right? Did I see The Invitation? I thought you did. I thought we talked about it. Maybe not. Maybe it wasn't. I don't you. think I saw that. Liam, have you ever seen The Invitation? Uh, I haven't. No, but following that glowing endorsement from Will, um, I don't know if I will be. No. <laughs> Well, I, I can tell you guys that uh, it was a film that I very much enjoyed, and it was the first time where I actually liked Logan Marshall Green in anything, because I really, really don't buy into him at all as a leading man, and I think my thoughts on this film are going to reflect that as well, so let's take a look at this trailer. As a quadriplegic, it must be frustrating for you, someone who likes to get things done with their hands. Here's the thing. Four guys murdered my wife. If I could find these men, I'd do it. What if I told you I could offer you something that would enable you to walk again? I call it STEM. A computer chip that has the potential to change everything. It's a new, better brain. I am STEM. The system operating your body for you. Can anybody else hear you? No, only you. May I point something out? In the drone surveillance footage, Sir Brantner, Marine Corps, address 414 Citrus, New Ground. You'll need a plan. I got this. This doesn't seem like a well-thought-out plan. I need your permission to operate independently. Permission granted! Thank you. Whoa, 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 whoa! Man, you are persistent. 
I cannot allow us to be killed. We are going to finish the job we started. You didn't know that I'm a ninja. <clears throat> While I am state-of-the-art, I am not a ninja. Okay, so this had its uh, premiere at South by Southwest. It won the Audience Award for the Midnight category. So I guess people like it. I... I don't know. The idea that he has this like mechanical body that has a mind of its own and he's like reacting to everything that's happening. You know, like his body's like doing these crazy dodge moves and like, you know, he's fighting back and he's all like, what is happening? Ah, you know, like that's funny, I guess. And some of the gore and like the violence and stuff makes it, you know, it definitely looks like a midnight movie. But I'm sorry. I just can't buy Logan Marshall Green as a charismatic actor in a leading role that i actually want to watch yeah i agree i mean it looks entertaining but no i mean he's he's a very bland actor i got 10 seconds into the trailer and just thought it looked like every other sci-fi movie i've ever seen i I, i'm not a massive fan of the genre and it did nothing to convert me well this is going to be a blumhouse production so we know it's going to be made for very little money and it's probably going to make back Lots of money, I would imagine, right? Yeah, it's Blumhouse. It'll make a profit at least. Yeah, I mean, that's just what they do nowadays, right? So um, I don't really have anything else to add to this one, though. I know some people were messaging me about it saying, oh, this looks awesome. Like, yeah, great. I'm happy you think so. There's nobody else really in this either, right? That's like supporting him. He's like the best well-known name in this. So what does that tell you in terms of the quality of actors they were able to get on with this script? You know what I mean? It, it kind of feels like a vehicle for Lee Wanell to move away from that sort of class of James Wan horror and try and do something a bit different because people are tiring of the James Wan horror. So I, I'm not really sure that it's going to do what, like much. I, I, like it'll make money, it's Blumhouse, but... Um, I'm I'm not expecting much. I think it's just really a way to push Wanell into something a bit less horror mm-hmm. and a bit more something he shouldn't be doing. Yeah. Well, let's move away from Blumhouse Studio. Let's move over to another studio that obviously everybody knows and loves, A24. They released hey. a trailer this week for How to Talk to Girls at Parties, which made its debut at the Cannes Film Festival last year to – Mixed to negative reviews. Um, it's directed twenty six on Rotten Tomatoes right now. Ooh, that's that's rough. It is directed by John Cameron Mitchell. It stars Elle Fanning, Alex Sharp, Nicole Kidman. Let's take a look. Let's see what we think. sentences hello my name is en short for henry i'm zan now that is punk do more punk to me what do your people do on an ordinary day we do what we want having no restrictions this is unprecedented we've got to get out of this we've got to get out of this that was the future I can come with you to the punk. I have 48 hours. I never thought I'd make my way. What are you bringing over for? I slept at his house and met his mom. Sorry, love. It's my first time at this. It's taking longer than I expected. And we engaged in incomplete sexual activity. I'm ready to come home, yeah? She's not normal. Not normal. I bet they participate in some bizarre sex rituals. No. How do you know that? I just don't see it happening. You have less than 24 hours to rectify the situation. You're in extreme danger. We have to leave now. I feel alive. You open. Sam needs hope. We'll need backup. You think you can just swallow us up? Rise up, my 
children! We may have cocked this planet up royally, but at least we're alive. We like to eat, we like to dance, we like to fall in love. And we try and fix what our parents screwed up. Are you lot with me? You know, Will, we talked a little bit about um, Terry Gilliam's uh, new film, uh, the Don Quixote one. Um, we're not talking about that one necessarily on the show because it's not an official trailer. But I don't know about you. I got some real Terry Gilliam vibes watching this trailer in terms of the visuals. Did, did you get that feeling as well? Okay. I also got Terry Gilliam vibes from the trailer for how to talk to girls at parties and just otherwise wasn't very interested in it. I mean, it looks quirky and fun, but it unfortunately with something like that, it's a shame. I know the reviews and yes, I should see it and make my own opinion, but all interest I had in it was destroyed by the very negative reviews. Yeah, I mean, Elle Fanning is definitely somebody who I'll pretty much watch her in almost anything. Nicole Kidman is tied to this. Love her. But this movie looks like it's all flash and, you know, no no pop. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, that's a bad analogy. Um, It looks like it's all, <laughs> all flash, no pop. <laughs> not, what? Uh, no, Give me some goddamn pop. All flash, no substance is what I meant to say. You know, it just looks like it's a loud, obnoxious um wacky colorful movie that i feel like would give me a headache more so than anything and i also didn't get a sense of what the story is about either from this trailer no Elle fanning is an alien and she has 48 hours to act like a human and they have sex that's kind of what wait 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 this is is this a joke or no no like that's my interpretation of the trailer I, i mean like she does spell that out that she has 48 hours to live as a human and i think she meets up with some like rock groupies as they go out in the town to basically wingman them and i think he has sex with ellie fanning's alien that sounds absolutely horrible (laughs) (laughs) yeah i I was i was not feeling not a good week for trailers my lord (laughs) definitely was not feeling that uh liam yeah, I, I like I heard the title "How to Talk to Girls at Parties" and I just thought it would be my guilty pleasure rom com of the year. Um, and then I saw the trailer and I, I was speechless, like in a bad way. Uh, I'm, I'm not really looking forward to this at all. <sighs> no, I'm not either. Uh, this is supposedly coming out this month in uh, uh, May. Um, I, I it's one of those things where I mean. I'll see if the critical reception maybe gets a little bit of a bump or not, but this might be something I might skip entirely, to be honest with you. I don't even know if I'll want to even check it out. But I also, too, have like kind of sour feelings against John Cameron Mitchell after he hosted um, – which award show did he host, Will, where he was just so so annoying and so – Was like, the Andy Spirits? I, I, not the – No, I no, it was uh, the Gothams. Oh, it was the Gothams. Yeah, it was. And every time he was just on stage, I'm like, get him off. I'm like, what is he doing? You know, it was like either either he was very drunk or it, I don't know. It just kind of soured me on him. And I like Rabbit Hole. You know, I thought Rabbit Hole was fantastic. And Nicole Kidman was so good in that movie. So, yeah, no, he needs to bounce back. <laughs> and this is not it. No, no, absolutely not. All right. Well, that will just do it for the trailers this week. And now, uh, one other segment I'm going to move over to before we call it a day. Unless, if, uh, Will, you have some things you want to discuss for the news section. It's not – there's not really much I want to talk about newswise this week. But I do want to mention that Joaquin Phoenix said – you know, and he's a very talented actor, so I trust his opinion. He said he thinks that John C. Riley's performance in Sisters Brothers is going to go down as one of the all-time greats. Which that certainly got my attention, both because it's John C. Riley, who is obviously someone we associate with being a good comedic actor, but we forget he's an Oscar nominee and he used to be a serious dramatic actor. He was in things like Magnolia, Thin Red Line, The Hours, Gangs of New York. You know, he he is a undeniably talented actor, and we forget that. So 
I would love to see him show back at the Oscars. If Joaquin Phoenix, who gave one what I consider to be one of the best performances of all time in The Master, um, says that he thinks this is a performance for the greats, I'm attent- I'm certainly tuned in. Yeah, a lot of that also, though, for me is how close are those two as friends? You know what I mean? What, like, is there a bit of biasness there? Because, you know, when it comes to actors especially, actors are not critics. Actors are not looking at an actor's piece of work. They're, they they pat themselves on the back, you know, over and over. And to me, I, I think it's like one of those things where, you know, you ask most actors, they're always going to say, oh, I think he gives his best work yet in this. I think he's absolutely extraordinary. You know, you, you hear that all the time. I don't, I don't know. I'm taking it with a grain of salt. However, I, I do think John C. Riley has been chronically underappreciated at the Oscars. Oh, Consider yeah. That's, that's definite. Movie. And it only takes one good performance with a bit of hype to, to go with it. And, you know, he'll have a nomination. Do we think he's at the stage in his career right now where a nomination is likely or would it be an uphill battle? No, I think would I, I honestly think it's unless you're Jim Carrey, I think this day and age, if you're a comedic actor who does something totally out of left field, um, as far as kind of performance you're associated with, you're going to have a good chance in the award season. We're looking at you, Melissa McCarthy. You better deliver. I think she will. I think she could even win this year. All right. Questions from the fans. First one. This one comes from Jacob's Film Talk. Will, I know you're going to like this question. With the outpouring success of A Quiet Place, do you think it has the lasting power in the horror genre that Get Out had to be a serious awards contender? Absolutely not. Oh, my God. Okay, now, I just want to preface by saying I agree with Will. Will is definitely more negative on the movie than I am. But, Will, I do think there is a world where it can squeak in a lone sound mixing nomination. Oh, I think a sound nomination is possible if it makes just – I mean it's already overperforming if it you know maintains – 50 million I think they said this weekend. Yeah. So if it, if it maintains its box office, I think that could certainly happen. But um, a sound nomination. But no way does it get a picture director, writing, actor nomination. Absolutely not. You know, like sound maybe. But that's where that ends. Liam, have you seen A Quiet Place? I have and I – Absolutely loved it. Um, I reluctantly agree with Will. I I don't think it, it has generated the kind of um, insane buzz that that Get Out did when it was first released, and because of that, I just don't see it making it all the way to the Oscars. Not in the majors, at least. But I think it is a, a, a poster for the value of of great sound design in a film. Because obviously, without good sound design, it wouldn't really have been a film. Uh, and, and it would be a shame if it didn't get recognized in that category. Okay. I like this question a lot. It's going to require a bit of thought probably. So bear with me on this. This one that comes from Josh Parm at JR Parm on Twitter. Always sends in the good questions. Name a filmmaker currently in a career slump that you would like to see get a resurgence in popularity and quality. The old M. Night Shyamalan treatment, I guess. Uh, <laughs> no, he's back. Everyone's all excited for Glass now. You know, people are excited. Yeah, that, that's definitely true. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I can't endorse Shyamalan anymore. He's lost me. Oh, lost him forever. Spike Lee. Spike, Spike Lee is my answer. Yeah, and with Black Clansman. I, I, you keep hyping that up, man, and I keep saying, look at the last couple of years of work. Uh, it just... Uh, I'll continue to be a doubting Thomas on that one. I'm trying to think who else. Oh, I, oh, oh, I've I've got one. I got another good one. Edward fucking Zwick. Oh yeah, he did. Uh, oh god, what was that Tom Cruise one he just did? The Jack Reacher sequel. Jack Reacher, never, never go, go back. back. I'm, I'm yeah. never going back. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, he's made some. It's kind of crazy. No one really talks about him. He's made some amazing movies, and he just gets forgotten. Like he, yeah, he needs a comeback in a major way. Cause I mean, like, you know, it, there's some co- problematic cultural elements, but the last Samurai is a pretty good movie. Glory is a great movie. I, I almost feel like the switch over to digital away from film 
I, I feel like that, I think he's one of those directors that just hasn't been able to make the transition because no film that he has made um, since that happened. I mean, his last good film, and, and, and it's questionable that it's even like a great one, uh, Defiance. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and that was good. Yeah, that's a definition of good, not great. Um, I, I, you know what? Actually, I know some folks, and I, and I kind of like this movie a little bit. Pawn Sacrifice isn't terrible. It's all right. Yeah, it's it's fine, but like, yeah, he's somebody that I just wish could go back to that time where I mean, you know, he had Blood Diamond, he had Last Samurai, he had Glory. I mean, the guy was on fire, and it was like it's only a matter of time before he gets you know a prestige picture on the level of something like Schindler's List, and it just knocks it out of the park. You know what I mean? I need to to see do something good again as Peter Jackson. Yo, I just I just rewatched all of the appendices for the Hobbit films, and I have to say, those movies are not great, and it worries me how much Peter Jackson comes off like George Lucas making the prequels in the in these like behind the scenes documentaries where it's just so much a mentality of, oh, we'll just fix that in post. Oh, we can just add, you know, all the CGI to this and it'll, it'll make it so much better. And it's like, he doesn't understand that. No, it doesn't make it better. What makes something better is um, the more real and practical you can make it. It immerses the audience so much more. You know, he made his career on all these incredible practical effects. That's what's so odd to me. Yeah. You know, like the, the Lord of the Rings films, not a single one of those cost $100 million. You know, they, they made them all. They call them the most expensive home movie ever made. And how he just forgot all that is just bizarre. When you have when you have so much money, you know. I think the visual effects are so – I don't know if Zeitgeist is the right word. But, you know, it, I think the reaction to strong visual effects, no matter how good or bad they might be, is entirely based on – just what's in at the time you know like 10 15 years ago lord of the rings come out and yeah a lot of stuff was done um cgi and in post and um people went mad for it but we're kind of in an age where we can do whatever we want on screen so presenting it to us in live action is more impressive like we buy into that a lot more and there's something about that and filmmakers like peter jackson and george lucas they they haven't really come forward with with that yeah it's also very odd how peter jackson goes off and he does something like the lovely bones which was supposed to be his back to his roots more grounded filmmaking and that too just just nukes it with cgi yeah and you know just the flashy camera moves and you know it's like man you could have shot this thing all handheld and it would have just been so much better it didn't need to be so precise and glossy and you know I don't know. He he is somebody. Yeah, he he is somebody. Because I like I like King Kong. I actually I actually like his version of King Kong a lot. Um, but maybe some of that was that post rings love. You know what I mean? That was still uh, in effect uh, for some of us. I, I, that's a film I would like to maybe revisit now. His version of King Kong. I um I haven't seen it in a number of years, and I wonder if it holds up at all. So, okay, great question, Josh. I really really enjoyed that one there. Uh, righty, and then the last question. This one is from Felipe Flores IV on Twitter. Tell me some movies that got shamefully snubbed by the Academy. I'm talking like obvious Oscar winners that got no recognition. Think of an example like The Florida Project. I think Last of the Mohicans, particularly in the 90s where they love their epics, it is bizarre to me that that film only showed up in one sound category. That film is so well shot, the score is so good, and it is like the quintessential well-made epic. It's from a director who was very popular at the time, Michael Mann. It's got Daniel Day-Lewis. Um, I don't really know why it – and it got great reviews. I don't know why it never really showed up anywhere because it's an excellent movie. Yeah, um, I, I particularly like Les and Mohegans. I don't love it, but I mean if, if I could just stick with Michael Mann for a moment. Heat? He, yeah, and he didn't even get a sound nomination. Like that movie is the go-to people use to test out a new speaker system on basically. Like what? And it didn't get editing, anything. Heat is one of the best crime films ever made. Mm-hmm. What about you, Liam? What do you think? The one film that always sticks out to me as 
being shockingly by the Oscars is The Boy in the Striped Pajamas. I think it is a fantastic drama and a really great war film. And I was shocked when I realized it didn't get a single nomination. I think it was just, it's beautifully made. It's a, a great story. And I mean, I don't want to spoil it for anyone, but the end of that film just lingers with you. And the, I, I can't believe it didn't get a nomination. How does something like Groundhog Day not get even a screenplay nomination? Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah, and he was so well reviewed too. Mm-hmm. That's that's like something that uh, constantly like enters my brain. Um, I'm trying to think of others, but I'm I'm not trying to think recent. I'm trying to think like past. Um, Night of the Hunter, amazing. Yeah, that film's so constantly referred to. Oh, 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 uh. uh uh, I can't. It's off the tip of my tongue. John Wayne. Um, uh, the Searchers. The Searchers. Yes, that's the one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Holy crap! Oh my god! Most people consider that his best film, and uh, one of John Ford's best films. And also, yeah, too, I, I know that it was a little divisive when it came out. I understand that, but production design, The Shining. Come on. Yeah. How about like any of the Sergio Leone movies? Oh, yeah. Once Upon a Time in the West? Dude. Yeah. Or, you know, Good, Bad, and the Ugly. Any of those. I mean, like, Good, Bad, and the Ugly score and editing are some of the most iconic of all time. Mm-hmm. The fact that you can have an eight-minute scene where three guys are basically just standing in a desert doing nothing. And it's one of the most compelling film scenes of all time. Okay. We just got a, a last-minute question in from Josh Blumenkrantz on Twitter. And... Uh, <laughs> This isn't something that we talked about uh, last week when we were discussing like uh, the Q1 best of uh, the first three months of the year. Um, this question is, what is the worst film you have seen so far this year? His response is, uh, A Wrinkle in Time is probably the worst movie I've seen so far, unfortunately. The Cloverfield Paradox. Ooh, yeah, that was brutal. That's uh, my third worst. Third worst. I've seen two films that I think were worse than that. <laughs> what about you, Liam? Cloverfield Paradox all the way. Oh, geez, yeah. Even thinking about it, it's upsetting me. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Cloverfield Paradox. My 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 runner up would be uh, the fifteen seventeen to Paris. My God, that movie was such a shit show. I can't believe Clint Eastwood made that movie. I I really can't. Although you know, based on uh, you know his age and you know lately what he's been doing in the realm of politics maybe i can believe it i don't know but the number one worst film i've seen so far this year and i recommend that you never come within five feet of even the blu-ray case you might get radiation poisoning is gringo <laughs> i'm still fascinated because the trailers are good i'm fascinated that i thought so up. too i thought that this was going to be hysterical and you know what's you know what's interesting is that David Oyelowo is like the only reason why the film is somewhat watchable. Like he is, he is like doing so much with such an underwritten part and is really giving it his all. But everybody else, I mean, that movie is just morally reprehensible, utterly disgusting and just truly God awful. I, I, I despise the ever living shit out of that movie. Might, might be, might be, you know, it might hold on as the worst movie of the year for me. I don't know yet. We got to wait and see. All right, uh, gentlemen, does anyone else have anything before we go? I'll take that as a no. All righty. Liam, thank you so much for joining us for this episode, man. It's awesome to finally have you aboard officially. Yeah, it's great. Tell everybody where they can find you on the internet. Uh, well, you can find me on Twitter at This Is The Hef. Um, and well, that's about it, really. <laughs> Fair enough. Will? You know where to find me. At Mavericks movies. <laughs> oh, that was that. that. <laughs> I didn't even think you were gonna say your handle. I think you were just be like, you, like you, you like know where little, to find me. You do, the little nod head up. You know, you're like, yo, flip the up? sunglasses you know down. Guitar plays in the background. <laughs> oh my lord! And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to episode 85 of the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player, FM, and also on CastBox. Be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Nothing less than five stars is ever acceptable. But 
if you do say something less than five stars, any comments or, hey, if you want to give five stars, you know, comments with that are appreciated as well. We'll read it out loud on the show. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you all next time. Hello, this is Gary Chachot welcoming you to check out the French History Podcast. Our main show covers the history of France from the first humans until present. If you liked Mike Duncan's The History of Rome and wanted a similar program covering the land of beauty, culture, and love, we are exactly that. We also host world-renowned scholars who have delivered guest episodes on their specialties, including 18th century pirates, revolutionary booksellers in 20th century Paris, the special friendship between the Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson, and numerous others. Learn what you love and listen to the French History Podcast today.